I think what this boils down to is you just need to get a microphone. It has a nice little plug to it so you can have your headphones and the microphone plugged in and it's all good to go. It's got a splitter. Yeah. Okay. Well, after a couple technical difficulties, we finally got the pad- the uh, podcast. Oh, God, I can't even talk to start today. That That's how well today is going, isn't it? You're flustered already. I'm flustered, and I'm ticked off a little bit, and uh, so it, it should make for entertaining uh, audio, I guess. <laughs> when are we not entertaining? Well, as you know, all 1.5 million of our subscribers really love our entertaining audio. We just have, we have just the best podcast, the greatest the greatest podcast, the best reviews, the best ratings. We are just ratings machines on this podcast. Really, we've never had anyone dislike the podcast. Uh, I really have never had anyone tell me they disliked it, never had anyone have any ill will towards it. It's It really may have redefined the podcast in genre. Do we have, actually have reviews? We have one review, I think. Let me see. We have one review, and I think it's pointing out the fact that I breathe way too much. Yeah, you should stop breathing. Oh. <laughs> that would probably end well. It probably would. Peppy, uh... Ooh, it says clean lyrics. That's... Ugh. Oh. Iffy. We have clean lyrics. We don't have any lyrics. They don't want us to have lyrics. Well, we are dealing with alternative facts today, aren't we? Yeah, there's an alternative fact for you. I sing so great. Everyone wants to listen to me sing. True facts about the Dallas Stars. Well, not the team itself, but the uh, in-arena presentation this week. Um, If you're to believe the in-arena presentation, I have no reason to doubt them. Um, The game against the uh, Washington Capitals on Saturday was attended by 1.5 million people. Going to lead the league in attendance this year. It, Way to go, guys. It really bumped up the average, and the uh, and I thought it was uh, – you could really tell there was that many people there. Just it, I had a really hard time getting out of the parking lot that night. <laughs> Even that, that much later in the, uh, in the evening after you were done up there? Yeah, you ever seen, uh, even an hour after the game, hour or so after the game when I left the press box, you ever tried to maneuver through a 1.5 million people, Ryan? No. In all of I the, can't say that I have. And all of them, as I was making way, gave me high fives and told me what a great podcast we have, and they were all loyal listeners, of course. I'm glad. You should, you should definitely... I don't know where I was going with that. Never mind. Don't mind me. I'm also tired today. On a serious note, I thought that was well played by the Stars uh, in Game Arena on uh, Saturday. The uh, when the official attendance was announced at 1.5 million, obviously a nice topical joke, and uh, I thought it was a uh, it was well played by them, and they do a pretty good job with the in arena presentation all the time. And that's not a uh, I'm, that's a serious statement actually. Right now, I'm actually giving them credit for the job they do. Um, oh yeah, they're great. They are. They are on top of of current events. They are A plus humor always. 
topical and adjust well. They even got the two dinosaurs on the video board last game, which uh, if you didn't see on Twitter, there's two people dressed in dinosaur suits attending the game. It's always nice. I'm now taking a, because of our podcast reviews, and thank you to whoever reviewed it and for everyone else, I am actually working very hard right now to not breathe after I talk. <laughs> I have no once idea. Again, once again, it just comes down to you need a microphone. I, I know I need a microphone. I need a much better microphone than the uh, iPhone headphones that came with my phone. So like, there's a breath right there, I guarantee it. And so I'm working on it right now after I talk, just holding my breath and letting you talk and just shutting up. So we'll see how well that goes today. Fingers crossed. Now, today is Monday, January 23rd. And today may be in a season filled with stars injuries. We've had reached a point today where... The injuries just got better today. False fact. They actually didn't get, <laughs> they actually didn't get any better. Um, at the rink today, we learned Radic Fox that will miss at least the next two games. He suffered a lower body injury in the 4-3 overtime loss to the Washington Capitals the other night. He was, uh, had he been available, Lindy Ruff would have used him in overtime on that opening faceoff that Jay Beagle won against Jason Spezza. But the, uh, he wasn't available, and he'll miss the next two games at least. Uh, Luckily, there's an all-star break there to help him get a little bit better. Tyler Sagan wasn't at practice today because he is sick and may or may not be available on Tuesday against the Minnesota Wild. And uh, Jamie Benn also didn't practice today because he has a broken nose. And uh, he'll still be at least available tomorrow after getting his nose broken by, I think it was Orlov on a, on a high stick late in the second period on Saturday. So the, uh, the hits keep on coming for the Stars, don't they, Ryan? They just can't catch a break. We're, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think we fully, I think people are finally starting to get into acceptance mode with this team and these injuries sure are not helping matters at all. And I think the Fox injury is one of those where as if you look from his value from watching this team all the time, it's not going to be an injury that Fox and missing two games is not going to be an injury that league-wide is going to register for a lot of people. But that's actually a really big loss for Dallas right now going into a stretch where they really need to win some games. Um, Fox uh, is – part. their penalty kill is not good. No one's claiming the Stars' penalty kill is good, but he made it slightly better than it could be. They don't really have many other centers that have been have done a very good job defensively. So defensively, the Stars may be at their worst um, over the next two games, which is hard to believe. And he's also the guy that would be trusted on those faceoffs late in games, whether it's an overtime, uh, as I said before, Lindy Ruff wanted to use him in the three-on-three to gain possession, or in the uh, late late in games to win a key defensive zone draw. That's gonna, it's going to be really interesting to see how. The Stars handle that because he's one of those guys who had been healthy. He had played. Him, Sagan, and Shore going into tomorrow night had been the only three players to appear in all 45 games so far this season. 40, uh, 48, 48, 45, whatever. They played all, every single game the team's played this season so far. Right, and I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Radic Fox is generally not a guy who makes a huge dent in the score sheet. He does have offensive capabilities to his game, but he's... More so that guy whose presence is 
felt when you can watch the game. He's not a, he's a guy who makes plays that don't show up in the box score. And those guys are oftentimes even more so valuable. Well, not always more so valuable, but they're just as valuable as guys like Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, who put pucks in the net when they're right. Well, and, and Rod- throw that caveat in there. Yeah, completely. And when Rod- when Radic Fox, uh, it's not, it's not Radic Fox's absence's fault that, uh, John Klingberg and Essa Lindell just got out muscled in overtime against Washington. But if you have Jason Spezza being out there for the faceoff was interesting since Foxa had been the best faceoff man. Who knows? Maybe Foxa wins the faceoff, they control possession, and it's a different game. Now, that's asking for a lot because the Stars are now 2-9 and nine in overtime. There's no, there's no past history here to prove that they would have actually, if they got possession, they would have scored. But it's still one of those little what-ifs where what if what if uh he was available at that moment so mm-hmm. we'll we'll see what they uh how they look going forward maybe in something that i'm interested in seeing and this is recorded on monday if you're listening on tuesday we may have an answer to this i wonder now with uh with with the stars with Jamie Ben having broken his nose against Washington on Monday. And he didn't practice today, so we didn't get to see what his headgear looks like. But I'm curious if all of a sudden we see Jamie Benn wearing a visor for a little while now. Yeah, you would. I mean, you would think that the um, team trainers say you're not going out there unless you have that, that hybrid visor job protector on so he doesn't get smashed in the face again. But Well, he did play the third period the other night with just the visor. There was no jaw thing. It was just the visor. Oh, gotcha. I would have gone with the... Uh, I would have I would have sent him out with the full fishbowl, considering. Just <laughs> was it one of those Mark Edward Vlasics where it's like a three quarters visor and he looks like RoboCop out there? It wasn't or that was it just a regular visor. It was well, I mean, it was hard for me to tell from all the way from the prospects, but it only looked like the half visor. But it was an exercise, and and you don't realize how much you rec- how much you how comfortable you get seen, or how much uh, something gets ingrained in your memory where. I realized I didn't realize how much I recognized Jamie Ben on the ice by the fact he's the only player on the roster that doesn't have a visor. Or I'd look right. down and be like, "Oh, well, that's Jamie Ben," because I didn't I didn't have to see anything else. I could just see no visor. And then he was out there with a visor, and you know, he was in the third period on a line with uh, with Eves and uh, no, not Eves, sorry, with uh, with Eakin and Sagan. And I said, "Oh, who who else is out? Who who who's on the line with Eakin and, and, and Sagan instead of Ben?" And then it was him, obviously, but. Just from first glance, looking at seeing somebody with a visor, I was thrown off for a second there. All right, I'd finally like to get on track here. Um, this has been a kind of a cluster of a cluster of a start for uh, for this this esteemed podcast and all 1.5 million listeners. I apologize. Um, by by get on track, do you mean talking about how if the season ended today, the Stars would have the third best odds at the number one overall draft pick? They would today if. Uh, I didn't realize that's crazy. They would be. They would have good. The stars would have really good lottery odds right now. They would be, uh, as I put out on as of yesterday, uh, as of Sunday morning, the stars were third in the current NHL waiver order and four points out of a playoff spot at the exact same time. If this if this just doesn't tell you how much of a disaster the NHL point structure is right now, like. The fact that every team in the Eastern Conference is within five points of the wild card is a joke. Because these teams aren't that... It's not that these teams are so closely competitive that that they're all just clustered like this. You have 
you know, Toronto, nine overtime losses. Carolina, seven overtime losses. Florida, nine overtime losses. New Jersey, nine overtime losses. Detroit, they all have almost ten overtime losses right now through half this, through just over half the season. It's, it's a joke. I, I have a system. I have an idea and a system that could fix the system, and it's not actually the uh, three-two-one system. Because I was thinking, okay. of, I was thinking about it the other day, and. For a long time, I've been a proponent of the 3-2-1 system, as in you get three points for a regulation win, two for an overtime win, and one point for a loss in overtime. So there's always three points in every game. However, I started coming across this scenario in my head and was thinking about it. If you take right now in a system where if you're a road team in the current playoffs, in the current standing system right now, if you're a road team, and you're and you're trailing and you're tied late in a game, and it's five minutes left, and you can guarantee a point in the standings as a coach, you're going to do it. You're going to play for the you're going to play for overtime, or you're going to play for the point. You're going to think what's best in mind for your team. That's how coaches think. Mm-hmm. Now, if you make it a three-two-one system, and all of a sudden you're a road team and you're tied five, you're tied two-two, say two-two, with four minutes left in the third period. And I'm saying, you know what, you can go for it, and you can go for three points. And that's what you'd like to think they would do. But you'd also have, in coach thinking, and this is what happened, you'd have coaches who say, well, if we go for it and mess up, we're leaving three points on the table. That's true. And, and, and we're not getting, instead of, we could either guarantee, we could either guarantee one and have a 50-50 chance at two, or we could take a swing and miss and give ourselves zero. And I don't like that philosophy, but we know NHL coaches are uber conservative. So I think if there was a 3-2-1 point system, I don't think it would solve anything. And this is a new thought of process I've kind of been coming to because coaches would find a way to make it, to, to take the excitement out of it. It would be, you would get to the point, especially road teams who would be like, you know what, we've got a tie game. Why are we going to go, why are we going to go for it when we need to bring home points? I mean, this is also the NHL you're talking about. The NHL finds a way to make everything more less enjoyable. And there's and and there's and there's the dogs agreeing with me. I'd like to think at least. It's just you talk. I mean, there's been so much talk this year about how, like for example, Patrick Line, who's a charismatic young kid who's got a bunch of confidence, a bunch of swagger out there, and everyone's saying enjoy it while you can because within five years he's going to be a drone. Because the NHL sucks the fun out of people. Like, I mean, it was like, it's the same thing with three-on-three overtime. Three-on-three overtime, its first year, was awesome. And it's Mm -hmm. not that it's not awesome now when it's played well, when it's played how, you know, how it's kind of intended to play. Mm -hmm. But there's coaches who take the fun out of that, too. Coach? It's just, just, it feels like the NHL's default is, let's do whatever we can to suck the fun out of this. Well, because it's the coaches, because... The problem is you have two different mindsets. You have coaches who their contracts and excuse me, their contracts and their jobs are based on winning games. It doesn't matter how exciting they are. It doesn't matter what uh, it doesn't matter whether they win every game 7-5 or 1-0. What goes at the bottom of the line for a coach is how many games have you won and how do you keep those jobs? Um, it's the system, I think, that makes it work, and it would make things 
it would take uh, take away that situation where someone tries to play for the tie or play for overtime. Even in overtime, I'd take away the loser point completely, make it a 2-0 system completely. I'd extend three on three to ten minutes, so you're guaranteed a winner. So no one's. Um, so if it does get to a shootout, okay, you had ten minutes to get it done in three on three, and you just make it 2-0. All of a sudden, then it becomes winning the game becomes a prerogative whether there's two minutes left in over in the third period or a minute left in overtime. Winning the game becomes your prerogative as opposed to doing the inner math of saying, well, if we get a point and then if we, we have the odds of picking up a point and we'll, 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 we'll try our luck in overtime, but we just need one point since we're on the road trip and, and avoid the coach speak where all these coaches go and say, well, we go on a road trip and they don't talk about how many wins they need to get. Coaches talk about how many points they need to get on a road trip. Right. And so you need to change the dialogue to how many wins a team needs to get. I mean, you even just completely get rid of the point system and just do what the NBA does and just do games back. Because the NHL is the only professional sports league. Well, I guess European soccer does points too, if I'm not mistaken. They do, yeah. But the, okay, the only the only of the four North American major North American sports leagues that does this point system. Yeah. Like what? What's the point? I don't know why you need it's not like it is back in the day when teams were tying ten times a year where that you know that mucks up the math and everything like that. Well and, and if there's you, no ties anymore. It's just wins and losses. If you go three if you go three if you go ten minutes of three on three, I guarantee you that the ties would be a minimal and the game and the games decided in a shootout would be a minimal because you can't play three on three hockey without somebody having without right. somebody scoring a goal. It takes a superhuman effort, superhuman effort from a goaltender, and and you know what? That would still be very entertaining if that was the case, because that would mean chances, and the goalies are playing well. So, I, you just go wins losses. It, the point system is it creates a system where teams say they need x many x, this many points on a road trip or this many points here. It's not we need to win this many games or that many games. Um, you go and you look at the. The other major sports leagues, the uh, NBA is overtime. The NFL is overtime. You lose in overtime, you still lose. Yeah. It's there's no uh, consolation. Right, and all this does is right now you have nine teams in the Eastern Conference competing for the final wild card spot, and you have what five teams in the West competing for two wild card spots? Six teams in the West competing for two wild card spots. You have half the league right now competing for three playoff spots. Like that's this, you know, people talk about why are there no trades? Why is trade deadline boring? It's because you have half the league right now. Well, more than half the league. You have there's legitimately only two teams in the NHL right now who are completely and unequivocally out of the playoff race at yeah. this point in the season. You can that's ask, ridiculous right that's now. Completely and one hundred percent ridiculous. Right now, I like parody. I don't like creating parody for the sake of having parody. For example, yeah. For example, in a recent, uh, I think it was NHL.com's power rankings today. Maybe might have been ESPN's. I'm not sure who, but there was an NHL power rankings I saw today where the Stars are ranked 28th in the NHL power rankings. Yeah. Yet they're fourth. They 19 of 48 games should yeah. not be in the playoff picture if you won 19 of 48 games. Agreed. It's you need to create. And it would also do. And I know. I know. And I can see the counter argument where the NHL says. Well, we want to have more teams in the playoff race. We want to have more teams oh, in it. Absolutely, they don't want people tuning out at this point in the season. They don't because I mean, this. I feel like that's what the NBA is. I feel like 
people don't care. I mean, unless you're a diehard basketball fan, I feel like the majority of people do not. The only regular season people really care about until up until the last month of the season really is football. Mm-hmm. Because all those games, I mean, you know, there's 16 games. All those games have some sort of meaning to them. And not that well, the end- seasons each game doesn't have meaning to it, but you're looking at, when you look at the NBA, you know, it's, it's clearly tiered. You know which teams are which. You know who's going to be good. You know who's going to be bad. Because it tells you in the standings. Right now, I don't like Technically speaking right now, Tampa Bay is last in the Eastern Conference. I can't tell you if they're a good team or a bad team. I have no idea just because of how the standings are structured. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look and you say, oh, they've won 21, games in 40, 21 of their 48 games they've won. The rest they've you know, they've lost, 27 lost. So I, don't, I can't tell you if they're good or not. I mean, they've had injuries. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, is they're five points out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're two and a half wins out of the playoffs. And they're last in the Eastern Conference right now. And that's I see I see the one argument of where it makes keeps more people tuned in, and I see that. But the problem is, it also takes I think it takes away the meaning too. Where three on three was great for hockey. Let's just let's 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 three on three. We all agree universally it was better. It it got rid of some of the shootouts. It's got rid of quite a bit of the shootouts, and it also has done a really good job of just it's exciting. You you like to tune in and watch three on three hockey. There's going to be a goal. There's going to be scoring chances, but the meaning of three, but at the same time, when you get to th- a three on three, all of a sudden you think, well, this game really didn't do anything in the standings since both teams either. Right, exactly. Then that's when you, like, you know, you look towards the end of the season, and this was me more so in past years because last year I didn't really have to do a lot of standings watching because the mm-hmm. stars were just far and away better than pretty much everyone throughout the regular season. But you're sitting there, you're watching, and you're saying, Okay, you know, Chicago's playing Anaheim today. Let's go Ducks, root for the Ducks. And then they ended up going to overtime. It's like this, this the Stars lost ground up both teams at this game. You can't. Like that's, that's just, it's asinine. I just, I mean, the more I, the more you think about it, the, the way the NHL does its point standing is just asinine. It should. I mean, you really. It, it's and it's. It's not. It wouldn't be the. It'd be a terrible system for the Stars because it's the only thing keeping them kind of in. The right. only thing that keeping them in the, in the race right now, but it is. It's a system that doesn't. It you aren't rewarded for actually winning hockey games. You're rewarded for banking points, and then you get to the playoffs, which is the. Uh, you get to the playoffs, and arguably everyone will tell you the best thing about. Most people, and I know I'll get some people, anyone listening to this podcast will agree, that playoff hockey is the best playoff system there is. There's nothing like playoff overtime hockey. You get people, you, the, the one mistake, the one mistake and all of a sudden, one mistake or one goal and all of a sudden the other team gets nothing. You get, it's all or nothing in overtime. And that is considered one of the paramount uh, events in sports. No matter the sport, no, uh, even people who don't like hockey, you get people around in the play in, in the spring watching playoff hockey will turn in for tune in for an overtime game. People will be like, "Oh, there's nothing like playoff overtime hockey." Even from people who are who don't like hockey, will, who don't like hockey in a traditional sense and aren't avid fans, they'll tune in for do or do or die overtime hockey. You don't have what's arguably the best element of playoff overtime hockey. You can inject a little bit of that into the regular season if you turn regular season overtime into do or die like it is but actually take away the reward for one coach for managing his team to one game all of a sudden 
it creates an opportunity where teams are saying, okay, I'm going to win this game. I'm not going to try and get one point and then try and get another. It's Right. Well, then it's like, you know, you look at you look in the regular season where you're late in the third period and say you just tie, you scored to tie the game up. You have the other team on the ropes. If you know that you're not getting a loser's point in overtime, you have no incentive. There's no incentive to just play it safe for overtime. You have mm-hmm. the momentum. You're going for the throat right there. And sometimes it's not going to work out for you. You're going to, you know, the defenseman's going to make an aggressive pinch. It's going to lead to a two-on-one the other way. Boom, there's a goal. You're down by one again. Right now, the way we have it, you don't have that aggression at the end of the third period in that specific scenario I just described in every single case because coaches are they're like, yeah, well, we just had the game now. You know, let's push it a little bit, but we're also going to want to be... Especially... We have, we, have to, we have to keep this in case. Just We got to get a point out of this game. We got a late tie. Let's just make sure we get a point. Even more so, it's even more prevalent in those interconference games. Like when Dallas and Washington played the other day. Why do Barry Trotz and Lindy Ruff have any... Why do either of them care whether they win that game with a minute left in the third period right. or 19 seconds in overtime? Because they, as long as you get a point, it does not. It has nothing. It does you no harm in the standings. Now, it, it's a system that I'm sure lots of people. I, and I don't think three. And I said as we started this segment to talk about overtime and things like that. It's something where I used to be a big proponent of thinking three two one would work. Three two one would work. People would go for it. But then I think more about what the coaches would do and how you would have. You would still have there would be too much of a plane not to lose three points or not to lose any points to go from when you could potentially get two as opposed to zero. You'd get two. You'd still have that conservative nature of it. Right, but that would definitely. I think three, two, one would help a little bit, but I don't think it would, it would have the. Towards, it would help more towards the end of the season. I don't think it would help it a ton at first. Yeah, I don't think. I, mean, I don't I think it would have the impact. Going both ways, because then it comes to a certain point when you have teams who. Are ending thing, who are ending things before overtime, who are picking up points, and then all of a sudden you're sitting there thinking, you know, oh, well, we've won 10 games in overtime this year. We still, but then, you know, you look at the standings, you're like, well, that's still 10 points we left on the table that we potentially couldn't have. But I get I get what you're saying when you look at it from both angles, because, yeah, the nature is always going to be get something as opposed to get nothing. And, and, and if you don't have the option to get something, then there's obviously no incentive to take a game to overtime. I agree. It, it's, you... I'd like to see. I think. I think it would help a little bit, and I think it would create some. I think it would create some really interesting scenarios late in the season. Say you go into a. Uh, say you go into the final game of the regular season. Say say the three two one system was in effect for this season, and, and the stars do that thing where they're in it until the final day of the regular season. And say they needed three points to get into the playoffs, not two, but three. Just all of a sudden, you know. You know what? They're going to have to go for it to get the three points or say you're down or say you have a point where a team is six points out of a playoff spot with two games to play. They have to win two regulation games. They have to go for it in both of those. So I think a three, two, one would help a little bit, but not to the extent where I think you go just a full, just straight up black and white. You win, you lose, you win, you lose. It's not one or the other. Yeah. And you know what? That's the other, that's the other thing too right now is, uh, if we weren't uh, doing a points-based system right now, we'd all be talking about the stars tanking for Nolan Patrick right now. Well, let, let's let's get to that next because right now you mentioned it earlier in this podcast that if the if the uh, draft lottery was held today, the stars would have the third best chance of getting Nolan Patrick right now. Yeah, and I don't even know if he's going to be 
Draft has him at two. Who do they have at one? Nico Hischer. Oh, is that the uh, Swiss kid? Swiss kid, yeah. Tore up World Juniors. He's a good player. Yeah, he is. But I don't think there's really, there's truly not that Austin Matthews type. There's not. Game breaker. I can't say, I can't even say with a straight face Connor McDavid because we're not going to see another guy like that come around for another 15 years. Oh, I agree completely. It's uh, But there's no, I don't think there's a true consent. This is kind of like 2010 when it was a coin flip between Sagan and Hall. Well, I, I don't, I, 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 I disagree with that because I think that there was 2010 was where you were fine getting one or two. You didn't care whether it was one or two. I don't think there's a one or two like that right now where you're saying, well, right here, right this year, there's there's no, if you finish third, you're not disappointed on missing out on something. Right. That makes sense. I mean, what Nolan Patrick had 102 points in 72 games in WHL last year, which is traditionally the more defensive of the three leagues. He's been hurt this year. He's got 17 and 11. So, I mean, I feel like he's still, he, when all said and done, he's going to end up being the guy. But, but no, I agree. After that, after those two, it's just, mm-hmm. I don't even think Nico Hischer was talking about as a top 10 pick until World Juniors. And, and I think it's, and World Juniors are, I think World Juniors are a really good indicator of players becoming good NHL players. Sometimes I think it gets, there is a slight, you do have to keep in mind that, a player having a great world junior or a player having a really bad world junior, that's not their average. I think that's something we have to keep in mind, where there's a guy who could have a terrible world junior who could still be a really good NHL player someday, but for whatever reason had a bad world junior, or a player who just played the game of his life for four straight days, who might not actually, who that might not mean he's going to be the next Connor McDavid or whatever. So, Well, you're also looking at a tournament where... <laughs> Jack Campbell played the game of his life. I, he's a good dude. I feel bad for him because he seems like just the nicest person in the whole world. And he's just going to be the butt of all these jokes for the rest of my life. Well, he's going to be, he's... Because I had a real under, I had a real, I had a real underrated one. I'm going to toot my own horn here. Okay. <laughs> Everyone seemed to miss. It was, well, maybe it wasn't that funny, but I said after the game, thank God Tyler Parsons was drafted already last year. He's, he'd be uh, Dallas's first round pick next year. Do you know how uh, Tyler Parsons? Do you know Tyler Parsons was drafted with a pick the Stars traded away? Was he really? Yes. Oh, that's funny. I did not know that. Tyler Parsons. Let me just confirm that real quick. Yeah, he was the pick that was. Uh, Tyler Parsons was the pick that was traded away along with Yerky Okapaka and Brett Pollock for Chris Russell. Wow. How about that? So, st- he could have been drafted by the Stars. He could. That's yeah. funny. I mean, speaking of that trade, quick revisionist history. We all agree that was not a good trade. The Stars, it was a really nice job by the Flames. I didn't think that was a good trade at the time. No, no, I mean, and I, I at the time, too, I wasn't very happy with that trade either. They gave away way too much. Um, however, it was interesting. I had the, uh, I turned on the ECH, I turned on NHL Network last week, and the ECHL All-Star game was on, and uh, there was Brett Pollock playing in the ECHL All-Star game for the, uh, for the, uh, Adirondack Thunder. Oh yeah, I saw the. Um, God, someone tweeted it, and I'm just I just pull up his hockey DB page. He's got 18 points in 34 ECHL games this year. Yeah, they didn't give away too much. About uh, ball from Grace. And he was because no, everyone I remember everyone saying at the time like you know I can deal with Yokopaka, 
the second round pick is whatever, but you know, Brett Pollock's gonna be a pretty good NHL forward and he's just yeah. his junior career ended and he had well, I guess it was only six games, but yeah, he played a couple games in the with Stockton and in the oh. AHL last year and he's just not been that good this year. I always, I never thought uh I didn't think they gave away too much with Brett Pollock. That was a guy who now I disagree with the trade, um, I think they gave away too much in the trade, but I think I always thought Brett Pollock they didn't feel like they were giving away too much for the reason being Texas Stars coach Derek Laxtell coached Brett Pollock in Edmonton with the Oil Kings for much of his junior career. And I felt I always felt like the Stars had more intel than they needed had more intel than they could possibly have needed on Brett Pollock, which right. told me when they traded him away, that's what they actually thought about him. Because they didn't have That's a good point. Um and I think it's kind of shown that he's been in the he's what he's done. In, he's been playing in the ECHL this year, and he's been just okay in the ECHL. My favorite thing about that trade, on a last note, was always going to be the the people who came out and said, "If I was Dallas, I wouldn't even trade Okapaka for Russell straight up right now." <laughs> well, that, I would have made that. I would have made that trade at the point. <laughs> yeah. I would try. I, I, mean, I get why they did it because you know your log jam and blah blah blah, whatever. But but that is interesting revisionist. I just I remember uh, I don't remember who I saw it from a couple weeks ago on Twitter when I saw that he was stuck in the ECHL and kind of struggling. That was a little eye opening, I guess. But it does make sense the way you described it. Yeah. Before we forget, I want to get to our question of the day, and we kind of touched on it earlier when I was joking, or maybe I was serious about our 1.5 million subscribers when I when I asked for uh, some of the best alternative facts about the Dallas Stars for this season. And so I'm going to uh, my first name is Art. I actually share I share initials with Sean Spicer, so I guess I can just read this as the uh, as the press the press secretary and just read and read all today's uh, true facts about the Dallas Stars. Okay. The Stars are the healthiest team in NHL history. Period. <laughs> the Stars have the best penalty kill in the league. Period. The Stars currently I know. The Stars currently hold the longest win streak in the league by a considerable margin. All of the Stars' problems are goaltender related. Some people actually believe that one. That's Yeah. However, the, some people actually believe that there was 1.5 million people at. Yeah, there we go. Now we're getting. Now we're cooking. That was a good one. Yeah, the stars. Real it. <laughs> the stars tandem of goalies is not responsible for any loss this year with a save percentage over 920 overall. Well, that guy's actually throwing in real facts that are not true facts. So. <laughs> Once again, uh, some people actually believe all the problems are the goaltending, and that's not true. Um, the Stars dominate the rest of the league in overtime. Pretty fair assessment. And the Stars are currently running for the highest save percentage with the lowest cap. With the, sorry, the Stars are running are currently gunning for the highest save percentage with the lowest cap hit for goalies league wide. Ugh, that was a double whammy. Alternative facts. Now, careful, guys. Some of these alternative facts, Wendy is reading, and they're making him very sensitive, and he's getting very angry about it. On a serious note today, we actually talked to Lindy today about how much he actually reads. How many articles like, he actually reads from the media. Okay, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure <laughs> if you just meant, like, 
how much he just reads for like pleasure or how much (laughs) okay so how much he reads from you guys okay yeah he uh we because uh i believe mike hike is working on a story about the stars younger players and tracking things and watching things on social media and so he was asking a bunch of questions around that and uh Lindy Lindy Ruff says probably reads he's probably read maybe five stories all year. Okay. Um, Devin Shore no longer follows the media members. He uh, he only follows like the team account and a couple other things. And then John Kling pissed him off that much. Well, yeah. And then uh, John and then John Klingberg uh, and then John Klingberg stopped basically going on Twitter because he used to go on it quite a bit. But uh, had to stop. Uh, oh God, poor guy. So it's. Uh, I don't. I don't blame him. If I was him, I'd get off social media too. I think my favorite was Yuri Hoodler, who said, uh, "Who told us to? Who told me today?" He says, "Well, I really like to read Twitter when I score goals. Other than that, I don't read it." <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Which means Yuri's probably only checked Twitter twice this year, but. Uh, yeah, in fairness, he's probably been in a hospital bed for the last half of 2016. I don't know if they let him. He's probably in one of those uh, those reverse uh, pressure rooms, so none of the crap that's in his room can get out. They probably don't let him bring his phone in there. That's true. And who knows, maybe uh, Lynn I, I decided not to use the quote today because it would have come off. I, I decided not to put the quote out there because if it had come out, people would have been would have freaked out. But we asked Lindy today about Sagan's uh, – sickness and dealing with it and how long he could be out and lindy tongue-in-cheek said i don't know it could be three months and <laughs> obviously obviously they're not planning on sagan being out for three months and i can only imagine the uh i can only imagine the world the reaction of uh of stars fans if uh i'd actually if any of us actually used the quote in a story that lindy says who knows three months that would have been a uh, i would have loved to see the social media backlash Oh, everyone would have had a heart attack. At least. At least one heart attack. Who knows? At least one. At least one. Too much V-fib going on. Yeah. Yep. It's, uh... I'm still waiting for that Yuri Hoodler episode of House, by the way. I'll get on it eventually. I'm still waiting for that screen, to have that screenplay on my desk. Um, I'll figure it out one day. Yeah. Good news. Let's let's end today with good news. How about that? Okay, I have some good news. I watched Glass Break this weekend in person. Oh, that's cool. Like not like I'm an idiot and I dropped a cup and glass broke everywhere. I actually watched someone get hit through glass this weekend. Ooh. I can't believe you didn't see that on Twitter. I did see that actually. Okay, I was yeah. gonna say. I feel like that would be something that would you would have crossed paths with. Yeah. For yeah. everyone who doesn't know, with the Bowling Green game this weekend, uh, an Alaska Anchorage player got checked through rear end glass, and then yeah, it was it was quite. It got it cleaned up in twenty five minutes, which is better than the crew at the Anaheim game last week could have said. But yeah, that was a. That was not a. Uh, <laughs> that was a bit of an embarrassment for the uh, Anaheim uh, and Arena staff. Yeah, 
and I happen to be doing color commentary on the radio during this game. So now I know I now have empathy for everyone who's ever had to call a game through a delay before because that was that was difficult to do. Mm-hmm. What's your good news? My good news is done? Stars news is there is a in the Stars locker room in Frisco now. It was for the first time this season now. There is a chair set up. There is gear. Um, all the stalls are being used, so he doesn't have a stall. But there is chair, and there is gear set up, and there's a chair and equipment for number 13. That is very good news. Matthias Janmark is, has skated on his own a couple times. Still no timeline for... Uh, I can't pronounce the word. I just really can't pronounce. It's, I know short-term it's OCD, and it's not, the, it's not OCD like he has attention deficit disorder. It's osteo-something disikins. But... Congenital? Osteocoresis, whatever. I don't know. I don't remember. But it's... He has his, his, his genetic deep knee disorder where there's no blood, where the blood flow doesn't flow well through his knee. He had surgery on that back in, uh, back in September, first week of October. He is uh, skating by himself a couple times. I talked to him today, actually. And it still doesn't, doesn't have a timeline yet because it's one of those where they have to see if they can get the blood flowing to his knee and how it responds. But very good news to see him skating. Really good sign to see him having gear in the locker room. Good sign just to see, you know what, there might be a future somewhere. Especially for a guy who, when it was injured and you ask about a full recovery, and they said 70 to 80% full recovery, which is... Not typical, not typical answer you get when talking about a hockey player because typically, like, oh, he'll be ready. You don't really get people saying there's a twenty percent chance his career might be over. Right. So that's my good. Like right. Whenever you hear, you know, people say seventy percent chance, seventy eighty percent chance, like, oh, that's pretty good. But you phrase it the other way and say there's a twenty percent chance he never plays again. That's pretty. That's a pretty high number for yeah. something that drastic. So yeah, that's the good news that Matthias Janmark is has skated again a couple times and. There might be a future for him there. Um, that's all I've got for today. We had uh, we fought a bunch of technical difficulties today, and I worked on uh, holding my breath after talking. <laughs> so hopefully there's uh, less. Uh, and I haven't. Well, I listen in post production to see how much breathing there is. So, but to all the people who have pointed that out, thank you, and you're welcome. We stand up and we fix our problems. We don't. We don't go. We don't double down. Da- we don't double down here on this podcast and and make things up. So to all 1.5 million listeners, we really appreciate it. Um, we hope to see you all at uh, at the next start. We hope to see all 1.5 million of you at the game against the Minnesota Wild on Tuesday. And uh, everyone, have a great night.